singers did a great job this morning. Who enjoyed that mellow sound today? I enjoyed that. So if you're here with us this morning and you're new to One Heart Church, I'm glad that you've taken the time to come to church this morning. I know that the Holy Spirit wants to have an intersection with us today. So who's ready for that? And of course, it's a long weekend with Anzac Day tomorrow. And uh, pray that you just uh, have some time of reflection and think about those who have sacrificed their life um, f- you know, for um, the lifestyle that we have today. But today, uh, I want to share on the theme growing, continuing on our theme for this year on growing. And today, I want to talk on growing in community. And um, um, it's really important that we understand the... Uh, the community that God has created for believers. Um, Nobody was meant to be in isolation in any part of life. Um, And people have devised all sorts of ways to separate and isolate and to discriminate. Uh, We do it by colour, we do it by culture, we do it by status, uh, we do it by the kind of clothes we wear. We do all sorts of ways in which people have devised to isolate and to separate and to discriminate between ourselves. Uh, It's just what people do. But Jesus has structure for bringing people together uh, from every form of diversity. And you know, the world is full of diversity. The world is full of difference. Look around the room and you'll see that there's difference even here. Um, But it's important that we discover the value and the true purpose of church. Turn to someone and say, church. I might annoy you all this morning and do a lot of that turning to your neighbor and saying things. But you've got to understand that Jesus has a structure for bringing people together and keeping people together, and it's called church. And it's his idea, and it's his plan. So Rick Warren says a few things in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. And I've just been uh, looking at, at this book lately, and I, I, I really think that's a, a fantastic book. Perhaps we need to run it here um, and, and have, a, have a course where if anyone wants to do the purpose-driven life, we could come together and do the studies in that. That would be something to think about. But uh, if you're thinking about come and talk to me. Maybe we can make something happen. But he says this in his book, um, the following points regarding the church. You are called to belong, not just believe. So... Th- Straight away, there's a lot in that statement, but you're called to belong, not just to believe. Um, He also says this, while your relationship to Christ is personal, God never intended it to be private. In God's family, you are connected to every other believer and we belong to each other for eternity. That's a long time. The Bible knows nothing of solitary saints or spiritual hermits isolated from other believers and deprived of fellowship. Who says that? Rick Warren? Let's go back. The Bible says that. Also, he says this, the Bible says we are put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, and held together. What's the the key word that he keeps repeating? Together. And we'll be caught up Together, you're not on your own anymore. 
I love, I love the way he's encapsulated. I've just got a few quotes that he had from his book about the church. But Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own what? Family. Citizens of God's country or citizens of heaven. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. So I want, you, I want to paint a picture this morning of belonging in this community that Jesus had in mind when he died upon the cross to, to bring people back to God. And it's called church. And, and we need to understand the value because a lot of people have devalued what church is. They don't understand it, so they devalue it. You ever been given something valuable and you think, well, what is this? My dad once had this very expensive scale set that was from a chemist and he bought it from a chemist when it closed down and, he, and, and it was in a beautiful box of timber. It was made of a timber frame with glass, glass cabinet type of thing with little doors on the front and brass weights and it was an intricate weight system that a chemist would use to mix potions. It was really expensive. But, but my dad had a family, had us boys. We didn't understand the value. And this delicate thing that was, was very expensive and, and a, a, an instrument, we destroyed it because we thought it was just something to play around with. We thought it was something that was just a lot of fun. So we, it started off, we lost the weights. And, and so we, we, you know, the, the weights all disappeared because you know, they're small and they're, 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 they're not important. So we lost those. Then we bro broke the doors and broke the glass and, and just basically wrecked the mechanism just by, you know, it's, it's a delicate thing. It was an instrument. And, you know, the church is something that is delicate, that is an, an instrument of God. And there's too many people who don't understand the value and they just playing with it, losing bits and, and in, in some ways breaking the glass, losing parts and just thinking, well, it's just something for me to play with. But I haven't understood the value of what church is all about. So today, I don't know, in some way I hope that you can transfer and catch something about the value of church because you can't play with it because then you'll start to break it and wreck it and think, oh, that was, that was just a piece of junk. And that's, I think that's the problem is, is when we devalue church or we don't understand its value, we get in all sorts of trouble. I'm going to remind you of King Hezekiah. I preached about him a couple of weeks back, and um, we're going to continue that. So I'm going to refresh you on some key points um, that we looked at a few weeks ago and then bring some other points from his leadership in Judah to us today as a church. But um, the story um, along today, I hope can what we see, that we can see the power of belonging and that you are meant to grow in community. So that's the, the whole um, key this morning is I hope that you can ca uh, catch that you've got to grow in community. It's not just about growing as a person, thinking, well, I'm going fine, I'm, I'm developing, I'm learning skills and, and, and going somewhere with God. But that's, that's important. But you've also got to connect what you're growing into with the church, with the community that God instituted. 2 Chronicles 31 verse 21, getting back to King Hezekiah, says this about him. It said, Hezekiah sought his God wholeheartedly. As a result, he was very successful. Who remembers this part of the message last time? I don't know about you, but I think it's great to live successfully. It's much better than living 
um, the opposite. But it says it goes on. The Assyrians attacked Judah and laid siege to the fortified towns with orders to break through their walls. That's 2 Chronicles 32 verse 1. So here's King Hezekiah. He's a good king. He's a good man. He's doing the right things. He's following God. Yet suddenly, out, seemingly out of nowhere, this kingdom of Assyria comes against his country and attacks every city. And the main points... Uh, that, that I brought out last time. There's three main points, but the first one that we need to, to see is serving God faithfully doesn't give you immunity from attack. So too many people have a false concept that, well, I've been serving God. I've even been in church for, for six weeks in a row, didn't miss one, and yet now my car's got a flat tire. Why did God let that happen? And we come up with all these all these you know, things that we're trying to figure out in our head is why is God letting this happen to me because I've been serving God? Well, serving God faithfully doesn't give you immunity from attacks. But I wouldn't say a flat tire is an attack. That's just the air went out of your tire. Get real. <laughs> Too many people are saying that God's attacking and all this stuff. And thinking, no, no, no. You know, that, that's just stuff that happens when you get, get this. If the car breaks down, it's mechanical. It's not spiritual. Duh. Take it to the mechanic on regular occasions and it won't break down as much. Here's a plug for the mechanic. Okay, three points that I brought out last time. Expect attacks and assaults upon what you believe and what God has given you. That's the attack. Is The enemy will attack you in areas of what you believe and what God has given you. Uh, number two, this is from last time. Consult others of proven worth. And it's really important that we discover in life people who are of proven worth, people who have fruit, as I said this last time, not fruit loops. Number three, we've got to stop the supply lines to the enemy. So um, today we're going to carry on from that message and hopefully we can bring it all together. Second Chronicles chapter 32. Oh, there you are. There's a revision for you if you're taking notes. Second Chronicles 32 verse 3 to 8. It says this. Uh, we're talking about King Hezekiah. He consulted with his officials and military advisors and they decided to stop the flow of the springs outside the city. They organised a huge work crew to stop the flow of the springs, cutting off the brook that ran through the fields. For they said, why should the kings of Assyria come here and find plenty of water? Then Hezekiah worked hard at repairing all the broken sections of the wall erecting towers and constructing a second wall outside the first. He also reinforced the supporting terraces in the city of David and manufactured large numbers of weapons and shields. And he appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate. Um, what else we got? Then Hezekiah encouraged them by saying, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army, for there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. So the points that I want to um, remind you about or bring to your attention today um, is the value of growing in community. From Hezekiah, we can see some valuable life lessons 
Um, and the first one is you achieve higher when you have others that stand with you. And, you know, sometimes we can be standing in church, or I'm using the metaphor stand, but we can be with people even in, in a, a, a Christian environment, a church community, but they're not standing with you because they're standing for something else. And you need to find people who are standing for Jesus, standing for the vision and the purpose of the local church, standing for the direction of, of which you're going in a corporate sense. Because you can, you can be standing with but not standing for the same thing. So to grow in community, there's a, there's a few keys that I'm going to pull out from this scripture. And the first one is get organised. 2 Chronicles 32 verse 4. It says, they organised a huge work crew to stop the flow of the springs. So stopping up the flow of, of supply to the enemy. To be able to stop that up relies upon the work of the team. It needs a huge work crew to make things happen. That's one of the reasons why church community is so important. Because my problem that is supplying the supply lines to the enemy, I need others to help me to contain that. So my problem is shared with other people. So Guy Kelly's problem is my problem. So Con's problem is my problem. So Tracy's problem is my problem. So we need to have a work crew of people who help each other to stop up the flow that keeps supplying the enemy of the problems that we have. And we need to share that responsibility with each other. So the king of Assyria was knocking on the wall of Jerusalem with a threat, with a threat sorry, to everyone in the kingdom. So we might be thinking, well, their problem's not my problem. Uh, doesn't affect me. It's not my, it's not my issue. But you know something? When, when the king of Assyria comes knocking on the wall of the church or the, the, the devil or whoever we want to call him, when he comes knocking, he's threat to everyone. And we need to see that the value of the community, which is called the church, that why we belong, why we do what we do, why, we, why we're part of this is because my problems are your problems. And your problems are our problems. It's not the devil's knocking on Kylie's house today. He's knocking on all our houses. So have a broader perspective than just what concerns you. They organized a huge work crew and the key was, oh, sorry, the key word is organized. Sometimes we don't like that word, especially because we're Pentecostal. But we've got to be organized. I think a major contributor to churches that thrive is people allowing themselves to be organized. A, a, a connectivity in our lives to cooperate in commitment between ourselves and others in the church. And if, if you want to take it the other direction, the disorganized and uncooperative cause the opposite effect. But we need to be allowing ourselves to be organized and cooperate and committed to being organized. Uh, just by the way, I've got Glenn Taylor here today, an old, old friend of mine from many, many years ago. I remember Glenn when he had hair. And I've still got hair. <laughs> so we were in the same church together a long time ago in, in Melbourne. He's a great, great friend, a great guy. And he rode his motorbike all the way from King Lake to Port Lincoln. That's a, that's a feat in itself. 
So give him a hand this morning. <clears throat> so continuing on. We've got to bring people together to fight a common enemy. When we understand the enemy knocks on our wall every day, it's not just an attack against the leader or the leaders. It affects us all. Uh, it's not an attack against the church, you know, whatever we might think. It's an attack against all of us. And it's a faulty foundation in church to think if everybody does a little bit. I love throwing this one in. It's my, my favorite hobby horse at the moment. You know, there is a concept that people say, and it's wrong, it's faulty to build a foundation in a church like this. Well, if everyone just does a little bit, it'll be all good and we'll share it around. No, no, no. That doesn't build a great church. So this leads to lots of spare wheels, but nobody takes responsibility. That means that your kids' church looks hopeless. That means that your church building is falling apart. That means that, that no one cares you know, uh, how anything is. You don't know really what time church starts. You don't really know when it's going to finish. You don't know who even, you don't know what the announcements are. You ever been in church like that where, where the person goes, oh, the announcements are for this Sunday, uh, the women's at, at, at 10 o'clock. No, it's 11.30 on Tuesday. No, Thursday this week. Yeah, that's not... That, that, that's not how church should be. But, that, but that's a faulty foundation that, that we need to realize and we need to say, we need to, we need to dig up that fault in the foundation and put down a good one. This is the good foundation. When everybody does a lot, we change the world. Oh, come on, get excited. When everybody does a lot, we change the world. It's not about what's the least I can do. How do I find my way out of it? Oh, oh pastor, oh, you know, don't bring this to me because I'm not impressed. Oh, pastor, I know, I know that there's, there's a need in the kids' church, but I don't mind filling in. When everybody does a lot, we change the world. Pastor, you know what? There's been a burden on my heart. I've been praying. Go away and pray. Do that. That's a real novelty for a believer to go and pray. And get your Bible and say, Jesus, I need you to speak to me. And then God will start putting a burden on your heart. And then, then, then you, you, you come and see your pastor or your leader and say, God, God has been putting a burden on my heart. I just have a, have a, you know, a sense that about this or about that or about this kind of person or these kind of people. And, and then you say, okay, well, let's put a plan together. Let's get organized and let, let's release you in this thing called community, which is called the church. And let's start to change the world. You know, I'll just give you another illustration I was thinking as we were, were singing this morning. If we, I haven't got a couch up here, I should have been organised, but I wasn't. But, it, but, it, but if, I, if I was in a family, I have a mum, and, and I know mums are pretty, pretty like, generous with their love, aren't they? Mums are pretty, they, they let you get away with a lot because they're your mum. Maybe that's not really right, but anyway. You're, you're on the lounge all day like this. In mum's house, just chilling. You know, you know, it's pretty. You know, mums, and they're pretty gracious. They're pretty loving. You know, if you do that all school holidays, there's going to come a time where suddenly you're going to you're going to wake up to something. <clears throat> because even a mum doesn't want to see their kids lay, lazing around all day doing nothing. They start saying, "Why don't you do something?" Get out. Don't just sit there while I'm doing all the work around here. 
And in exactly the same way, there, there is not a place. And, and you know, wake up, because we want to change the world, church. Wake up, because we want to change the world, church. So this is the medicine right now. It's okay, it's getting better from here. There is no place for any person in any church to do nothing. Oh, drink it down. It's good for you. So get organized, join a team, serve your church, and you'll change the world. Stopping up the flow to the enemy totally relies upon the work of the team. And you need to find yourself a way on the team. You need to find yourself a way to get a burden from God. It's not about just serving, saying, oh, well, because the pastor preached this message and I felt guilty. You know, if you feel guilty, that's your problem with God, not mine. I don't want to cause people to serve God by guilt. I want to cause people to serve God by love, by passion, by, by the fire of the Holy Spirit, by revelation. It's all those things. And, we, and we, we've had a distorted view of church life because of whatever. And then, and then we, we, st- we still want to carry that, that burden on our back. Chuck it off. Say, Jesus, I want to fall in love with you. I want to fall in love with your church. I want to discover my place and start to, start to, to go on that journey of, of discovering the awesomeness of God, God and what he wants to do in your life. So the second key that, that we're going to look at is, to, is growing in community um, is strengthening the defenses. Second Chronicles 32 verse 5. It says, Hezekiah worked hard repairing the wall wherever it was broken. And adding to the fortifications, they built a second wall. So they had the wall of Jerusalem already. You think you're pretty safe when you've got one wall around you. So you might think, well, I've got security because I've got a huge superannuation fund in my life. And so that's, that's wall number one. But, you know, when it comes to spiritual matters, we, here's Hezekiah. He's got a wall around the city. But because of the imminent attack from the king of Assyria and the threats and the intimidation, the people and Hezekiah decide to build a second wall. Double security, double protection. So the second wall is built, get this, taking notes, write this down. See, Kimberly, oh, thanks. Kimberly's texting people, but I think she's taking notes. But <laughs> The second wall is built by personal sacrifice. The second wall is built when people in Jerusalem would have been tearing down their houses, getting the bricks and the timbers and the the stones from out of their own houses to provide material for the wall. And it's a personal sacrifice. This is when our personal plan takes second place to the purpose of God. Oh, this hurting message, this one. So what that looks like is, is, is just... For instance, you think you're saying to yourself, I, I had plans of my own for, for these for this money. I had plans for, for my own for my holidays, but I was saving this for, for some plan that I had, but now I'm gonna redirect those resources into the plans of God to protect the city and to build the city. And and we're talking about church here, about the corporate body. Of believers. Do you understand that principle then? It's, it's taking, going into the place of sacrificing. And you know, it's not a sacrifice if it didn't cost you anything. And again, one of the faulty foundations in the church is giving things that's just spare. 
I don't want your broken down TV donated to the church. You know, you, you, the new one you bought, you give that to the church and you keep the old broken one. That's, that's not a sacrifice. You know, the people of Israel, they were condemned for bringing blind and, and lame and crippled sheep to God. And then we're thinking, well, you know what, I'll just give my spare time. I've got nothing, there's nothing on, you know, I, I want to see on TV on, on such and such a night, so I come to church. So, you know, whenever it doesn't interrupt with, with other plans, then, then I'm at church. But if I've got another plan, then it comes last. You know, you never build the second wall with a second-hand commitment, with church last commitment. This is hard. This is, this is heavy stuff today. They also manufactured large numbers of weapons and shields. They equipped themselves for the war. They got themselves ready. The church gathered together like this is about equipping and preparation. So make the most of it. So why, why do we do this? Why do we have church every Sunday? Why do we worship? Why do we listen to preaching? Because it's preparation. It's, it's, it's part of being organized. It's developing skills and structures and things within inside of us. Proverbs 27, 17. That's the old, one of my favorite scriptures where it talks about iron sharpens iron. And you know, church experience should be a time where we, where we bounce things off each other, where, we, where we're hearing great word from God that, that uh, develops us and grows us and teaches us things. The third key today to growing community that King Hezekiah did is he appointed officers. 2 Chronicles 32 verse 6. Hezekiah, he put together a leadership team. He put leaders together. He gave people responsibility to control vital functions. And we need to have that in the church for things to work efficiently. See, in the local church, this is about department leaders. Um, it's about elders and it's about those who take responsibility and serve on leadership in what, whichever way that is. Even serving as a team player is all part of that process. And then he called a meeting and he, he encouraged them spiritually to trust the Lord. So the key here is uh, leadership. And leadership's not a swear word in church. Although it can be abused and it can be misused by leaders, we've got to, to realise in, in the best sense of the word that God has appointed leadership in the church and we need to discover how to flow with it. Hebrews 13 verse 17 talks about um, uh, obey your leaders because they look out for you. They, they are responsible for you spiritually. So uh, he, he appointed leadership and then he called a meeting. And he encouraged the people to spiritually trust the Lord. And the key is leadership. Because while everybody in the city was fearful, everyone in Jerusalem at that time was fearful about the attacking army and they needed um, to be around those who could rally faith. And sometimes in church there's, there's all kinds of things that people are looking at and they might be concerned about, they might be worried about, they might be fearful about but when we come together, it should be the place, the rally point, where we can inspire faith in each other. 
Because our faith is confronted all the time. When you, when you walk out of church, your faith is confronted all the time. There's a challenge to your faith. So leadership 101, if, you're a, if you are a leader or you're aspiring to be a leader for, for God, is you've got to see over the horizon but, have, but be positive in faith. That's what faith is seeing over the horizon, planning for things that no one else has planned for, uh, thinking of things that no one else is thinking about. That is called leadership. And if you're a leader, people look to you for the word of God, for the direction. They're looking to you for the plan, for the strategy sometimes. But uh, church, we've got to be careful who you listen to because if it doesn't build your faith and bring you confidence in God, you're hearing from the wrong voice. So sometimes, you know, you think, but, but I've known these friends of mine. I've known Glenn since 1980. But, you know, he's always been an encouragement to me. I tell you, Glenn's the one who, who, who wrote on a, on a napkin in a pizza bar his focus. Honesty, integrity, sincerity, full-on commitment unto servanthood. That's the man who wrote that. And uh, he... he had that on a napkin at a pizza bar one day and then kept it and, and always, always encouraged me. Rob, it's about having his focus. Honesty, integrity, sincerity, full-on commitment unto servanthood. That's a great little thing there. It's amazing what was in that pizza, Glenn. But you know what? I, I've valued friends like Glenn who would give me the word of God who will encourage me with something like that. And you need that as well, because if you're hearing voices saying, uh, you know, why is the church like that? Oh, they're, they're picking on us and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and look, the honest, total honest truth is that this message, the, the main notes of this came in, in uh, 2010. So whatever you're going through today, how would I have known? So just relax. But take the medicine. But you, you, you know, if you're hearing all the wrong stuff, you're hearing the wrong voices. And you need, to, you need to disconnect. Disconnect the caboose that is holding you back. You've got to disconnect. Unhitch yourself from, from people, from relationships. And, and that can hurt. But you know what? You've got to say, God, I want to be, I want to be energizing my faith. I want to be growing with the, this community called church. I don't want to be bogged down. In the mud and always, always finding a conspiracy. Always finding the, 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 the inconsistencies. And you know what? You're going to find them. They're going to be there. They always will be there. But you've got to find yourself beyond all that. Say, God, you've called me to, to do something with this life you gave me. And I want to I be presented in heaven and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. So Hezekiah did this. He, he strengthened his leaders by reminding them about God. Sometimes we need friends who remind us about God. It's, it's really awesome. When I preach, I want to remind you about the goodness of God. I want to remind you about Jesus Christ, about his death upon the cross, about, about his sacrifice. And we did that this morning. And thank you to Lulu for sharing the, the, the message with us this morning. That's, we've got to remind ourselves about God. And you've got to have friends and people and mentors and leaders and people in your life who remind you back to God. 
You know, it, it, oh, it almost got really upset then. But it's really annoying when people come to you as a pastor and they say, blah, 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 have a big spoon say, but what's the word of God say? Don't throw scriptures at me. That's dumb to say that. Because without scripture, we've got nothing to say. That's the living word of God. And, and that, that's his precious instrument. And you're just going, don't throw that at me. People say, oh, I, was, I was grieving. And, and people came and, and, and they just quoted scriptures. You know, the way you do that can be stupid. But with love and relationship, you can, that can be a delicate instrument that really brings healing. So we've got, a, we've, we've got a two-way street. Don't say, don't throw scripture at me. But, but the way you do that, you've got to be saying, Jesus, I want this to be ointment healing that, with love and with, with, with compassion. That makes sense just then. He strengthened the leaders by reminding them about God. And that's a great way to stay motivated. Remind the church that God is in this. We've got to remind ourselves God is in this. And this is a prime example of the team meeting. Like we have a team meeting before church. Uh, we, have, we have leadership team meetings from time to time. We have uh, heartbeat meetings um, four times a year. And uh, th these are the times where um, we, we talk about and, and discuss things and um, we connect the loops together of church so that things will work. They're all the important things that we, we need to put together. And by the way, I invite people to attend our next Heartbeat um, Night. That's on in a couple of, couple of weeks in May, the last week in May. But stay in the loop. Stay connected with the team. You need, you, need to, you need to make that your priority to say, well, I need to go to things and I need to find out. You know, there's nothing worse when you're left out of the loop. But as a church, we really want to make it as, as easy as possible for as many people as we can to be involved with whatever they can and to, and to know and understand the heartbeat of our church. We don't want to run on secret codes. You know, we've all been, I guess we've all, all, all been in places where um, you find things out the wrong way and I'm not saying that'll never happen. But to the best of our, our ability, we want to be able to be a place where people know what's going on and know where to go to find what they need to know. In Acts chapter 10, verse 35 and 36, it says, In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And your experience of church, this community, should be of peace. It ought to be of, of uh, belonging. It's a place where, where God accepts us. And I think the most important thing that we need to translate today about community is Jesus Christ has accepted every single one of us how we are. Not that he says, well, you just stay how you are. He wants to grow us and change us. But the, the, the big thing we have to do is be a church, be a people that absorbs others. And you've always got to be extending yourself to other people and helping them find their way to Jesus. Helping them find the place where they belong. That's our role. Growing in community is God's plan. 
And our goal at One Heart is to be a place of strong walls, not broken down and defeated. A growing community of faith and unity. So today, listening to this message, you may be ready to surrender your life to Jesus and accept salvation. You might be thinking, well, I've sort of been trying to find God. I've come to church. Well, that's a great thing to do. And if that is you today, then the Bible is very clear about how we make ourselves right with God. It doesn't mean we have to sacrifice. It doesn't mean that we have to be at this place and do this or that. What we have to do is believe in Jesus Christ and ask Him into our heart and ask Him to forgive our sins. And the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. And He'll separate our life from our sins so that we can be presented to God as pure and holy, not because of what we've done, because of what Jesus has done. That's, that's, the, that's how to get yourself right with God, is ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and let Him be part of your life. So maybe you're at that place. And today maybe you're, you're at the place where you're saying, God, uh, you've, I feel something in me. I, I, I need to give up my plans. So you might have had, you might have been saving for a long time, thinking, well, I'll, I'll put this stuff aside. I've been planning this for a long time. It's like that woman with the, in the Bible where she came to Jesus' feet. She planned with it. She had this expensive jar of perfume that was like a year's wages worth. Probably in today's, you know, it depends on your wage, but you know, maybe fifty or sixty or eighty thousand dollars worth in one, one jar of perfume. It's a lot. It's really, really expensive, and. She'd had her plan, I don't know, maybe you sell it and that's your superannuation or, or maybe you keep it for, for a special thing when you're on your wedding day or something. But she'd put this aside for a long, long time and something touched her heart. And she said, you know what, I, I, I'd been putting this aside, but, but I've just been in contact with Jesus, the most incredible person I've ever seen. I just see God all over him and she takes it and she, she breaks it at his feet says, I had my plan, but, but I'm giving it all to Jesus. That's, she built a second wall around her life. She built the second wall. And you might be thinking, but God, I, I need this. I've, I've got to cling on to this. This is, this is my security. You've got to have a revelation of Jesus. It's not, I'm not saying, hey, just do this stuff. You've got to have a revelation to do this. Say, Jesus, I might have been planning a holiday. God, I might have been planning to get uh, you know, a new fridge. God, I might have been planning all, whatever it is. But suddenly that something's awakened in you and you say, you know what? God is telling me I need to do this instead. Trust it to God. Perhaps the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about taking up responsibility stepping into leadership, whatever it may be. Or you need to get behind your leader and give them your best. Say, I'm going to be part of the solution of creating the, the things that we need to change the world. See, answering the call of God is a big step. It's a place of new priorities. Your resources, your plans are redirected to build something that God wants to bring glory to his name with. And that's what it's all about.
bring this into a landing is God wants to glorify his name on the earth and he wants to use you to do it. That's incredible. Why doesn't he just do it himself? But he wants to glorify his name through you on earth. Why don't you just close your eyes right now and just love to pray with you. If, you've, if you want to, if something, any of those areas have, have spoken to you today, why don't you raise your hand up nice and high and I want to pray specifically for you and then we move on. Thanks. See, see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray right now over these people who've raised their hands. Whatever they're responding to this morning, whether it's saying, God, I had my plans, but I'm going to lay them down. Maybe they're raising their hands saying, God, I need you to come into my life, forgive my sin. Uh, or whatever it is that they are responding to today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you do something that responds to their faith today and cause their life to be changed from the inside out forever, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Just going to ask Kylie to come back and I'll see you for a cup of tea in a minute.